Well, hey friends, welcome back to another week of Which Way Is Up, where we're trying to help acknowledge the difficulties we've been facing throughout the pandemic, as well as the difficulties and transitions that go on in our lives that have impact on our mental health. We are so glad you're here and hope this time will be a blessing for you. Hey, remember that if you're on our streaming channels, you can check in in the TMUMC app. You can download it wherever you get your apps. It helps you connect with the notes for the message. It has scripture in it, and certainly you can check in. If you're on our website, man, there's just a click in, check in button right there, and we hope you'll do that. We always love to know you're with us, but more than that, it helps us connect with you and build relationships. So I sure hope that you'll help us out and do that by checking in today. Well, friends, today we're moving from uh, depression and anxiety and worry and stress into loneliness and isolation. And who of us doesn't really know what that's about? Man, throughout these last 12 to 15 months, all of us have had some clear sense of isolation and loneliness, right? I mean, we couldn't see our family sometimes. We certainly weren't able to shop or even dine out over these last many months. We've had the lack of ability to help connect with even sometimes workmates and, and colleagues. It's been very difficult. We have felt so distanced from folks all the time. And even when we tried to check in on social media and see what the world was doing, there was kind of a catch-22, wasn't there? There was a sense of, oh, wow, look what's going on or look what's happening. But there was also that sense of, man, look what I'm missing or what do I am not sort of measuring up to? And so we had this great sense of isolation that just kept building up within us and as a part of us and was very difficult. We also saw it in, in seeing horrible tragedies like folks dying without their families there or people living in assisted living facilities that couldn't have their family visit them when they were there. It's been a very difficult 12 to 15 months during this pandemic and it's a real struggle. It's why we wanted to talk a lot more about this isolation and loneliness because it's impacting us in very difficult ways. Every last one of us can relate. Well, you will recall, I hope, that we've got these virtual roundtables every single week. And in those roundtables, there are various folks who come together who are experiencing the various issues that we've been, we've been addressing throughout this series. And there are no different this week. We've got some good friends who talk about their own isolation and loneliness. And one of those is Wendy Curran Meyer. She happens to be married to one of your pastors. She's also a teacher in the LISD. And Wendy shares a very powerful story about how the pandemic had great impact on who she was as she faced isolation and loneliness. I wanna hear you hear her tell her story as she shares with you its impact. I've had two big instances as I've been thinking about isolation and loneliness and one of them involved the loss of a job and uh, staying home every day and not knowing what to do with myself and the other one is not so much a loss of a job but it, it is a loss but it was the the transformation or the the, the changing of a job and that was whenever we uh, a year ago in March went home for spring break with um, from classes and never went back and stayed home until the beginning of this year as far as teaching remotely and dealing with the end of the year remotely and all of that. It was just a real, like, what do I do? How do I do this? I am really good in a classroom. I feel very comfortable in a classroom, but what do I do, you know, um, across from a computer screen to get children, to get students engaged? And it was, it was really hard. 
And in both of those scenarios, um, I had to deal with the loss of what I had that I really loved, a job, and then a, uh, I guess, a, a platform to do my job. And it was really very hard. And I'm an extreme extrovert. And so I know that surprises you. <laughs> and so being isolated for me is being away from peers and being away from the students and being away from the life that I know. And it manifests itself for me in depression by just staying home. So I watch way too much television. I get inside my head way too much. Um, I During COVID, I made myself go for walks. And so that was when you could take off your mask and walk outside. And that was very refreshing and very good. So my health picked up a, little, a bit at, at that time. But um, I just, I sink into um, looking for alternative realities, which is whatever on television and watching things on television and just kind of living into that reality. But I get so sleepy and tired because it's not energizing at all. So part of what we realize from Wendy telling her story is we all get impacted. Teachers, uh, doctors, nurses, all kinds of folks are very impacted by this isolation and loneliness. And, and man, it just has deep hurt within us about what we're facing. There's not a one of us who can escape it. It's why we wanted to spend some time offering you some help and some hope as we recognize. Now look, the pandemic clearly exacerbated our differences and, and all of these times that we've spent separated. But the reality is loneliness and isolation have been with us for centuries. It's even talked about in scripture. And so we, we were facing this even long before the pandemic hit but man, it just kind of pushed it to its limits, didn't it? I mean, I reflect on some scripture uh, from thousands of years ago from King David, who was the greatest king in all of Israel. And in Psalm 25, where he writes about the powerful separation that he feels, he shares this powerful message. He just says, God, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. David understood, even as powerful as he was, even as all the glory that he had oversight over, that even a king could face isolation and loneliness. Our Savior, Jesus, has these powerful words when he hangs on the cross. Uh, all the gospels share it, but Mark chapter 15 uh, shares it in a very profound way. He, he speaks out in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, laba sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Even Jesus felt this sense of abandonment or loneliness or isolation. Friends, this is not something that just happened during the pandemic. We just have to recognize that the pandemic helped to make it worse. You know, one of the worst senses or feelings of isolation is not just when we are by ourselves, but man, it's also even when we find ourselves in crowds. I want to again point you to the virtual roundtable where you can go this coming Tuesday. There's a powerful story uh, of Vic uh, talking about how he felt lonely and isolated even amongst his peers, even when folks were around him. And I don't know about you, but I know I have felt that sometimes in my own life when I'm with uh, groups of people or certainly even among my peers, how sometimes lonely it feels. 
Jesus had this sense. I remember this story uh, in the Gospels that speaks of Jesus trying to find ministry, and he goes off to a lonely place. Luke's Gospel tells us in the fourth chapter, uh, Jesus uh, went to a lonely place, an isolated place. He was trying to find some time just to be alone. And what he found were people. What he found was ministry. And it just reminds us that not only sometimes do we need alone time, but every once in a while, even in that time with people, we feel isolated and alone. This is very real. And I know that many of you have been experiencing over these last many months. Well, there's a profound story in scripture from the Old Testament, from the prophet Elijah, that makes the powerful point that we do face loneliness and isolation, but we also have help and hope from God that helps remind us that we really genuinely are never alone. It comes to us from 1 Kings in the 19th chapter. And the story starts with Elijah having done an amazing thing. He, he struck down the priests of Baal. He helped tell Jezebel that she was not on the right track with her leadership. And he had done amazing things. But when it had all come to an end, Elijah found himself tremendously alone and feeling as though no one else could help him. Listen as he tells his story, beginning in verse 4. But he himself, meaning Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up, ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food, forty days and forty nights, to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. You can sense his loneliness, right? He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is going to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way 
to the wilderness of Damascus. Wow, I don't know about you, but I can sense, I can feel, I can recognize that loneliness and that sense of isolation that Elijah was feeling. He'd done amazing things, and yet somehow he, he had found himself in this valley of loneliness and isolation. And he didn't know what to do. You heard him say it two different times to the Spirit of God. I alone am left, and they're wanting to take my life. You also sensed it when he laid down in the lonely or uh, solid, solitary broom tree, right? And he slept. You can just sense that Elijah was feeling this horrible sense of being all alone, being abandoned, feeling as though nothing he did was of value or of worth. And it was in that moment that God showed up. It was when he felt the most isolated, when he felt the most alone, when he sensed that, golly, there seemed to be no hope whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, he gets ministered to, once with food, a second time with food by the angel of the Lord, and then the voice of God. And it's fascinating to me because like Elijah, we often are looking for God and God's presence and God saying something or uh, helping us to understand something. We often look for it or feel as though it's going to happen in these amazing events, that they're going to be life transforming events. And that's what the wind and the rain and the hurricane and the earthquake were all about. They were to represent that maybe God could be in those things. But it wasn't in those things that Elijah encountered God's presence. It was in the sheer silence or the still, small voice. And friends, I want to suggest that's the blessing that God brings us. It's the richness of God with us. It's the reality to know that, man, God is there hovering, hanging out, present, even when we don't see God, even when we're not clear that God is there. Somehow God is with us. And I want to suggest that Elijah gives us a powerful lesson in all of that. Once Elijah heard God's voice and responded by going back to Damascus as God had asked him to do, you know what he did? After all of that isolation and that loneliness, Elijah went and he would anoint several more kings. He would, in fact, prepare and mentor and coach Elisha and prepare him to become his successor. But it was only out of that isolation and loneliness that he discovered a wonderful truth that God is there, that God has something for us, that even though I may have no one around me, that even though I may feel as though everyone has abandoned me, that even though I feel as lonely as lonely can be, there's one person who will never abandon us, who will never leave us, who will never say, you are alone. It's God. Elijah receives this amazing gift of God being present and helping him and encouraging him and lifting him up and feeding him and giving him strength and calling him to go and do what only he could do with God's presence. You see, Elijah, I think, teaches us two very profound lessons about God. One is this, God is always with us, always we may not feel it. We may not sense it. But I want to assure you, the very nature of who God is, the very reality of God's ways, the very nature of what God does is that God is with us. It's why Jesus came. 
It's how God stepped into the world. It's what that big word incarnate means. God is with us. And I want to tell you, that's true. That no matter how lonely you may feel, no matter how isolated the world may seem to you, God is still there. And our goal is to actually feel that, to acknowledge that, and then to do something about it. Because here's the second truth that Elijah teaches us. Our response to that presence of God, the way in which we respond to God being there, that can change everything. You see, friends, we, we have a choice, really, when all is said and done. The choice is to acknowledge, golly, when I'm lonely and loneliness is real, when I feel isolated and that too is very real and tangible, the way we respond to God being in the still small voice or in the sheer silence or in the loneliness itself can make all the difference in who we become and how it is we interface with the rest of the world. Friends, I want to challenge you to believe that God is with you, to believe that God has a great plan for your life, that God has a desire to help make you know there are those around you who can love you and care for you, that there are places you can go and things you can do where you will sense God's presence. And so I want to just offer maybe a couple of ways that you can respond to God, a couple of ways that I hope are very practical and will help you to know you aren't isolated and you do not have to be alone. So my first suggestion in the way we might respond to God is simply this, discover awe. And you remember as a kid, every time you saw something new, no matter what it was, if it was a butterfly or a bird or a snake, or whenever you saw something for the very first time as a kid, man, it was like, wow, how cool is that? I want to invite you to step back into awe. Find the ways that God is in nature, the way that God is in art, the way that God is in music, Listen to those things. See those things. Let your faith become filled with the awe of how God is real, how God is more tangible than we can ever imagine. We don't see God necessarily, but I want to suggest you can actually feel God and sense God in all of creation. And in that is the powerful, powerful gift of awe. Second thing I want to suggest you might do as a response to God is volunteer. And go, go give yourself to somebody else, to some organization, to some nonprofit, perhaps even here at the church. When we volunteer, we serve both ourselves and our well-being and clearly other people. And when we take our mind off of ourself and give it to someone else by volunteering, oh man, it lightens the day. It helps put a pep in our step. It helps lift our souls in the midst of what can sometimes be an isolating time. Third thing I want to suggest is, man, join something. Join a club, join an organization, join a group, join a Bible study, join any kind of group that you will interface with people and allow you to then see God in those faces and encounter the wonder of God in their presence. Here's a, here's a weird one. Talk to strangers. Now, you know, I know we grew up saying, mom and dad telling us, don't talk to strangers. But look, study after study shows that if we will talk to that grocery clerk or to the bank teller or, or to the restaurant server or to the neighbor we haven't said hi to in years or perhaps months, man, if we talk to those folks, 
it engenders joy. It helps remind us that we really aren't alone, that there are people in our sphere. And if we just talk to them, man, it helps lift who we are. And it helps us to know that there are people all around us. Another idea is to connect online. And of course, COVID has helped us to realize how powerful that can be. Whether it's in a Zoom call with somebody or some group, whether it's on social media, just know what works for your soul. Uh, the, the danger with connecting online, of course, is it can remind us that we are isolated. And so we've got to use it for its betterment, not for its detriment. And then finally, friends, I want to just encourage you to seek therapy where you need it. If you are feeling horribly isolated, if you're feeling deeply lonely, man, go talk to somebody. All of your pastors would be happy to visit with you. Uh, we can certainly make recommendations to you for a good therapist. Uh, maybe you could use the, the gift of a spiritual director. We have a few of our own church members who are qualified and trained to be a spiritual director who is really just a friend in faith who helps you walk through an understanding of where God is and how God is in your life. Friends, it's lonely out there, I know. I've experienced it myself. What I wanna offer you is the knowledge and the insight that God is with you, that God is for you, that God desires a relationship with you and God can come and be with you just like God was with Elijah. And sometimes when you feel in the deepest, darkest despair, sometimes when it feels as though the loneliness of the silence is desperate, I wanna to suggest to you that that's when God shows up. But it all depends on how we see and understand that God is actually there. I wanna encourage you, friends, to realize God is with you and God desires a relationship with you every single day. May you know that and may you feel that this day and the next. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you that you came among us because you loved us, that you came to be with us because you wanted a relationship with us. God, it is so lonely sometimes. We feel so isolated from other people, family, friends, coworkers. We need you now more than ever. Help us, God, like Elijah, to seek you to recognize your presence and to know that you really are with us and for us. God, for all of that, we give you great thanks and we lift this prayer to you in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Friends, let me tell you how grateful I am. Your generosity over the last many months, really years and years, has made ministry possible. It changes lives, it transforms hearts, it helps people to know they are not alone. If you'd like to make a gift now, you can literally text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. Or of course, you can always go online to tmumc.org slash give, where you can schedule your giving or make a one-time gift. But whatever you give, we're grateful.